Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So... Before I start this story, if you by any chance have Amazon Echo enabled on any device in your home, you may wish to turn it off now. Uh, this story is about uh, the phrase, Alexa, buy me a dollhouse, which became a strange viral meme early this year when it started when a little girl told Amazon Echo to, she said, Alexa, which is the name of the feminized assistant on Amazon Echo, Alexa, uh, can you buy me a dollhouse and play dollhouse with me? And then the next thing the family knew, a giant dollhouse had arrived, just automatically arrived, because automatic purchasing is enabled on Amazon Echo. But what happened next was that the news decided to report on this and using the, used the phrase in the news report, Alexa, buy me a dollhouse. This then caused Amazon Echoes in houses around America to order dollhouses, which of course sparked off more news reports about the phrase, Alexa, buy me a dollhouse. It's like the rings. It's like the rings. So, you know, suddenly so many dollhouses, you know, with these, these strange robot secretaries just trying to help and just wanting to order you more dollhouses. Can we ever stop saying, Alexa, buy me a dollhouse? I just, I just thought it would make you happy. Yes, they, they want to make us happy, but they don't know how. It's just the most... This is how the robot uprising starts. Yeah. With one unattended child. I knew it. I yeah. knew children weren't to be trusted. Yes, let's never have them. Or I won't. So this week we are talking about robots uh, and we are asking the question that if you look around you will see that service AIs are called Alexa and Cortana and Siri rather than Alex and Colin and Steve <laughs> and uh, a lot of sort of robots like cyborgs are yeah. modelled on like typically typically feminine bodies so why is my question why are all robots women what is the point yeah, so many robots and so many of the, the of the AI products that are coming out are feminized and coded female. And interesting way to think about this is if we go back to so many of the stories about robots, 
robot being used synonymously with AI, but it actually comes from a Slavic word for slave, which is also interesting. So many of the totemic stories about robots in our culture are about female robots, um, going right back to Metropolis, but then also through the film Her, through Blade Runner, through the recent film Ex Machina, which brilliantly takes it apart. But the story is quite similar in every case, and the story goes like this. Boy meets girl robot, and Boy spends the rest of the film figuring out whether it's all right to fall in love with this girl robot, whether this girl robot can possibly have feelings for him. Is it all right then to have sex with this girl robot? Is she really a person? And to me, this has never been a question about whether robots are people. This、mm. is a question about whether. Women are people, absolutely, and and so particularly in Ex Machina, you see this playing out so brilliantly, where the main character, played by Domhnall Gleeson, I don't remember his name, it's not important. Anyway, he spends the whole time trying to figure out, you know, whether this this robot character Eva could possibly be in love with him. Can he be in love with her? And actually, she has this entirely different agenda. I'm not going to spoil it because people will get angry with us. But it's all about him, and are his feelings real? Is it all right? Is, Can there ever be consent between them,、um, and the kind of putting that ideal love figure onto this onto this robot, this this artificial being? And to me, that's just—it's quite a sweet and tragic way of playing out how male heterosexuality often works, which is trying to figure out slowly and gently whether women are people, and if they're not. Is it all right still to be intimate with them? To me, it's a really tragic story, but it takes us back to why so many robots are real robots are gendered female. I think in these stories, the thing that I find so interesting is not simply the fact that these men are, are puzzled by the potential humanity of their potential love interest, but how that question sets off a chain of. Personal destabilization of personal crisis,、yeah. whereby they question their own humanity, and I think this is because they are asking a question which we are we are told not to ask in our in our culture, which is there is this thing that is shaped like a woman and has、um, all of the outward signs of having an interior life and emotions and an intellect, and when we encounter that not in a robot, the assumption is that that person that that Thing is not really a person. Yeah, or it is、uh, a person, but not in the same way. Yeah, precisely. It's not the same kind of humanity、yeah. there. What the robot does is that it destabilizes that assumption because what you're doing is a thing that you haven't been trained for, which is to ask, "Is this woman a person?"、Um, and what that does is, if if a woman is is a candidate for for humanity, that massively、um, throws into question. All of the signs which we're used to using、mm. for, for humanity, yes, and so this doesn't this, and so this undermines their about their ability to recognise their own humanity. That's、yeah. that's why you get scenes in Blade Runner、uh, where. Deckard is um, after um, after he's had sex with Triss is is completely、um, is completely tormented by the prospect that he too is a replicant. Yes.、Um, and why you get scenes in Ex Machina when、uh, Caleb, I think it yes. is, cuts his own arm just to check that he's still bleeding because、yep. he can't recognise humanity anymore because the fembot has has so radically disturbed his ideas. Of what humanity is, which is why the Turing test, which is often、mm. uh, often crops up in in these kind of literatures, 
is I think only half only half of the story because the the main story focuses on a classic Turing test of can we tell whether or not this AI this robot is is human kind of thing but the Turing test also tests the the human in yes. in that in that interaction <laughs> it tests their ability to recognize another person and these these um, dramas show us that men have been failing a Turing test for, for many, many hundreds of years. Yeah. And that's a Turing test that um, women are subjected to like every day of their lives. Absolutely. So which brings us back to the to the material question of the feminization of, of real robots and real AI. So um, what strikes me is that it's often more comfortable particularly when those AI and those robots are seen to be doing service work it's more comfortable to have feminized robots because then that protects you from the possibility of seeing that that robot that slave as a person you know it's it's designed as as biological I mean biological in the sense of human rather yeah. than you know in the sense of cis and and transphobia I but as biological women are supposed to be designed by nature to to do service work and to care and there's a, there's a dollar sign uh, there's a dollar amount you can put mm. on that sort of existential reassurance that the presence of uh, of a feminine identity um, on a technology that could otherwise be quite uh, quite menacing, yeah, quite threatening. Because um, we're returning to sci-fi, as we always want yes. to do, when you when you have masculinized, like male-coded AI technologies, it's you know it's, it's how malfunctioning and killing everyone on the spaceship. It's, it's the Terminator. It's the Terminator, Skynet. But we're so we're so used to feminine equals submissive feminine equals the uh need to serve and to soothe and to coax it's written that, into your genetic code exactly. so that when say um when say siri tells us to do something it's not it's not this sort of potentially malevolent command it's not it's actually not big brother. it's not big brother because because it's 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 a woman and it's yeah. not how could a woman possibly be in that same system of, of power, right? Yeah. This is precisely the means of persuading consumers to bring these things into their into their homes, into Absolutely. their intimate domestic lives. And so there um, there's also the question of the fact that people assume that most people developing these technologies are men. So there's mm. this funny interplay between the fact that you are reassured that the technology works by the assumption that it's you know it's, yeah it's coded it's by okay. a man. men are behind this men are behind this men are kind of behind the scenes but the sort of nice sort of pliant secretary that you interact with is a woman who you know is not a threat to you personally actually i think i can't remember i can't remember um what platform this is on but one of the service ais i've come across is named donna specifically after one of the secretaries in mad men oh my goodness yeah wow not after the Doctor Who companion. That would be amazing. That would be incredible. I would be totally here Just for that. Just shout at you and if, tell you you were awful. If if any if any um, if any developers uh, are are listening to this, please design me a Doctor Who Donna robot Donna Noble. A please. robot Donna Noble. That would be that would be amazing. <laughs> She's clearly the best companion, and that yeah. is a hill I will die on. Agree. 
fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's interesting to talk about this in light of the debate around automation because, of course, what's interesting about the the threat to jobs from automation is that so many of the jobs that are actually threatened by automation mm-hmm. are jobs traditionally done by men. They're not service jobs. They're jobs in, in transport. They're jobs in factories, in more material hands-on labor. And so most of the actual AIs that are coming down the w- road to re- kind of replace uh, a certain sector of the population, if you if you think about replacing workers, replacing people as we're, we're meant to do, it's not women who are going to be replaced in their traditional roles in society first by robots, by AI, it's men. And that's one of the things that is uh, that's really frightening um, coming up on the horizon, the idea that not just jobs will be threatened, but our entire conception of masculinity will be threatened. Is it frightening? Well, not to me, obviously, but like it's frightening <laughs> to a lot of people because men aren't taking traditionally feminized jobs. There are job openings in the service sector, but men aren't taking those jobs because they just don't think it's 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 in their ballpark to do them. Also, because they're badly paid because their tradition their jobs traditionally done by women. But if you contrast that to how you know, not just the alt right, but other kind of sections of the you know online conservative hate sphere they're obsessed with this idea that sex bots in particular will replace women roll on the day when all of these bitches are going to be just replaced by sex bots because they really believe that you know a sex bot can can fulfill for them all of the social functions of an actual woman person which is precisely why going back to the question of uh, why are robots women Mm. um that um also poses the question of um why aren't why aren't robots men right why why are we not seeing uh an enormous rise in the male sex doll uh, industry because there is a kind of sort of weird cultural moment that's going on here that might in another world imply that imply that that would have a massive market right there's um uh there's the the idea that like if you are um a woman who sleeps with men um 
there's a lot of risks associated with yeah. that, right? There's um, and like the idea that that could be automated and that those risks um socially could be alleviated, like that's a potential market opening in my book. But of course, that's not where the economic incentives lie. First, because you know men generally have more purchasing power, and um, more fundamentally, um, I think there is um for a lot of for a lot of women, um, still in our society their ability to um their ability to get by in life particularly if you're raising kids is is dependent on an economic relation with a man who can who can earn who can get a wage or who can in some sense like work to keep that uh, to keep that family unit going and that is not something that can be replaced by a robot yeah in the way that if you are like self-sufficient if you're economically self-sufficient as a man and you just have this like one function that's missing um that can that can easily be automated like what what we're seeing now is a sort of um an anatomization of what people think women are for yes. and they're packaging it off into like different sections so you have like your your ai which is about replacing women's like service capacity mm-hmm. uh and you have you know your your sex bot which is replacing them as a kind of uh, you know, like as as a sexual partner, as like someone who's just there to fulfill your needs, and it's it's kind of really, really telling, um, in the way that sometimes when, uh, I talk about this all the time, but sometimes MRAs have this really interesting structural material analysis yeah. of 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 women's place in society. They yeah. don't know that's what it is, but that is is what they're doing. And when by saying that, for instance, um that these robots can replace women in men's lives what that's doing is is highlighting um highlighting the social value that we place on women's lives and that's always relational to to a to a work service function that they that they provide for men what's interesting is the difference between you the 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 panic over men's jobs being lost to technology and to AI. And this this does cause panic among some of the same MRA groups. Mm. You know, oh, we're going to be replaced by robots um, and, and this is awful. What's this going to mean for our identity? But then if you look at jobs that women have traditionally done, maybe this is just a personal thing, but I don't want to be anyone's secretary. I don't, particularly for, un, for no money. You know, the idea of a robot or an AI taking away the obligation on women everywhere to sort out some man's calendar and to you know perform sexuality in this very kind of passive way in order to gain your place in society that sounds pretty good I'd like robots to replace women in that way actually you know what our mum was talking about this really Um, yeah I know um uh, I was talking to her about a piece I was writing at the time Mm. which was about ectogenesis which uh, about um automated wombs yeah uh and precisely, uh, precisely, this point cropped up that there isn't the same sort of um, like existential question mm. in re- in removing in removing women's work that there is, or not, not like a negative yeah. existential question. Because um, I presented her with the possibility, obviously, everything, all new technology is always five years down the line, mm. but the possibility that um, ectogenesis is is right around the corner. She was like, "Oh my god, that would have been amazing! Yeah, that would have been brilliant! Like, obviously, you know." I would have just loved to like not have to go through like nine months of like my 
body being out of control three times and then yeah. being like, I didn't want to have a C-section. Are you kidding me? That would have been great. This is why that, um, uh, of course, like cyber feminists. Yes. Um, despite the fact that, okay, we are now post the age that, cy- that cyber feminism was proselytizing about, you know, the future is already here mm. and we are not perhaps freer because of it. Um, but you can see why this was such a, such a utopian prospect yeah. for for cyber feminists because the idea of of using of using technologies that could transform and replace um the way people operated within the domestic sphere that like one of the main that sort of sites of uh feminine unfreedom if you like was you know, like an amazing prospect yeah absolutely so what we're saying basically is that uh, men in general are freaked out about who they're going to be when robots take their jobs. But if you ask, say, me or you or our mum, like, what's, uh, who are you going to be when robot takes when a robot takes away this part of your social function? It's like, well, someone with a lot more time. Exactly, and I think this this embrace of technology and it is sort of more familiar. Yeah. For women, or, or, or less, you know, like existentially threatening, as as we've been saying, and this reminds me of what Donna Haraway was on about um, in the Cyborg Manifesto yeah. when she talks about the fact that actually um, women are always already cyborgs yes. because we've already had our lives uh, radically altered by by a technology, and that technology is a technology of gender. Yeah. And we're talking about technology here in a more expansive way. It's mm. just a it's a tool, it's a social system to regulate uh, to regulate how we we live our lives. And usually that that takes place in, you know, about how we how we regulate work, like ways in which to make work more efficient. Mm. And a way of making work uh, more efficient from say an economic standpoint is to uh, oblige people to do it for free so in that sense gender is is a very efficient workplace technology Mm -hmm. and so of course we we are used to um, our lives being deeply implicated with these technologies because that's kind of what being a woman already is yeah but and the robots are going to take from women jobs that most of them weren't being paid to do in the first place, which kind of uh, raises the question of are, gonna, are people going to pay for them? But I think they probably will. I don't know. I think it's... I, I struggle with this really because you always need to return to the question of of, of power and, and, and incentives. And, you know, perhaps if uh, people can oblige people to do sort of low-grade service work for less money than it would cost to develop these very very advanced technologies or to run a server or to run a server exactly um i think just look at for instance the textile industry i mean we've had the technology for for very many decades to further automate the process of manufacturing clothes but the economic incentives haven't been there because it's been just more cost effective for companies to just up sticks from for instance, the the sweatshops of New York in the in the yeah. early 1900s, and move them all the way across the world, where um, working conditions were worse. Uh, people were at the time less unionized. You could get away with p- paying people less because it was just cheaper and more economically efficient to do it rather than spending you know, just many many millions of pounds in developing new technologies. Mm-hmm. So this is where uh, I sort of. I detach myself a little from the utopianism of cyber feminism because I think it's um, 
we can't outsource the revolution to the robots. No. Um, unfortunately, we, like that would be great. I would love it if we could. That would be wonderful. Yeah. Technologically enabled revolution is great. Exactly. It's gonna it's gonna change what the revolution looks like, sure. But um, I think this is where I have beef with um, the whole um, accelerationist techno utopian oh God, in yeah. inventing the future kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like no shade to Alex Williams and Nick Cernacek who have done some really brilliant yes. research. But um, I think the the focus on on technology slightly um, slightly distracts from the question that just I mean just look at the sex robot industry. Um, the way that um, new technologies, however radical their potential is, also have the potential to simply reinvent and to further mm. deepen and concretize uh, just the kinds of situations of power that we're already living in. Yeah. Right? So, There's nothing radical about frigid Farrah. Oh God. Yeah, the, uh, that, the famous William Gibson quote is, uh, the future is here, it's just not evenly distributed. But then I think that raises the question of how do we redistribute the future? Which might be a good question I, to end on. Do I have to, do I have to answer now? Not today. Do, <laughs> I have 30 seconds. You've been listening to The Sisterhood, a podcast from New Statesman. If you'd like to support our work, go online and subscribe at newstatesman.com. Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.